Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, are you getting stirred up about being led by the Spirit? Amen, amen, amen. Like I said this morning, the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives is not an insignificant or incidental aspect of our redemption. Following the new birth, assuming someone has heard the gospel and received Christ and confessed him as Lord, been born again, next to that event, the the capstone of, of his provision for his children during this age is the the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. To be indwelt by the Spirit and then to be filled with the Spirit. But you could put it all together and say the ministry of the Holy Spirit is the greatest asset that we have. Uh, And of course, the Spirit works with the Word. You understand that. The Word, uh, the, the saints of God, even in the Old Testament, had the Word, but they didn't have the Spirit. We have the Spirit and the Word. And so being led by the Spirit is, is so important and it's such a, a tremendous privilege to be led by the Spirit, amen? So let's look at our, at our foundational text again tonight that's in Acts 22 and we'll pick up uh, where we left off this morning. Acts 22, verse 14. Then he said, the God of our fathers, <clears throat> excuse me, has chosen you that you should know his will. You have been chosen as well to know his will, to see the just one and to hear the voice of his mouth. It is God's will that you know his will in every detail of life. I said earlier in one of the earlier sessions, God is not hiding his plan for your will. He's not hiding what he has for you from you. He is speaking, like we said this morning, he is speaking, guiding, telling, and declaring. Remember we read that in chapter 14 of, of, of John's gospel? He says he will guide you into all the truth. Whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will take the things of mine and declare it. So he is speaking, telling, and declaring as he progressively guides us along our way. <clears throat> If you are going to go to some place where you've never been before, particularly in in an outdoor setting, uh, if you're going to go for days and days into the wilderness and you've never been there, you might hire a guide. And the purpose of the guide is to direct you so that you don't go someplace you're not supposed to go. The guide will keep you out of dangerous settings but he will also cause you to turn aside and see some things that you probably would not have noticed without the help of the guide. I went on, Angela and I were on vacation a few weeks back and I took one day and took a guided fishing trip down in the the river to fly fish. And uh, uh, the guide, it was interesting, I walked down to the riverbank and he said, now right over, he said, you see that, that, uh, that rock formation that's, that's in the water there? Yeah, he said, just on the other side. He said, throw your fly over there. He said, there's some big trout over there. Well, I looked, I couldn't see any trout. And, it was, and of course, I threw my, my, my fly over there and boy, they hit it. They were there. 
And they were large trout. I mean, I'm not talking, this is not an exaggeration. Some of them were this big. They were very large trout. And, uh, and it was so much fun. <clears throat> but I asked him, I said, how did you know they were there? He said, they're there every day. He said, these trout are, are creatures of habit and they like to hang out there. Now, some of the other places I saw some and they were running around and they would move around, but then they would gravitate back to a particular section. We walked, the first thing we did, we walked down the river. The very first, I mean, just got out and got our gear together and walked down. And he said, now right over there, he said, there's a big trout. He said, right, and I said, where? He said, right over, I said, I thought that was a stump or a log in the water because I'm used to catching small trout, you know. I said, I thought that was a log. He said, no, it's a big old trout. He said, he's been there for four days. Well, that's what a guide does. A guide knows what's going on. Well, the Holy Spirit knows where the trout are. <laughs> he, he knows where, where the things are that you need to find in this life. He knows where they are. And that's what a guide does. So we have a guide uh, and he will guide us into all the trout. <laughs> all the truth, all the answers, all the help. Amen. And, and if you don't learn to follow the leading of the spirit on purpose, not, not just when you're facing a crisis, not just when you have big decisions looming, but staying sensitive to the guy, oh, I tell you, he'll show you some things that you otherwise wouldn't see. Amen. You'll experience some things you wouldn't otherwise experience. And, and, and you know, if you're not listening, he'll let you just walk right by. Jesus was walking on the water and it said he would have passed them by. If they hadn't called out, he would have passed them by. And a lot of things in life, the spirit will allow us, they'll, they'll, just, they'll just pass us by if we're not, if we're not uh, uh, learning, if we haven't learned and practicing being sensitive to the spirit, amen? So this morning we talked uh, about that. And so go with me over to, uh, Hallelujah. Go with, go with me first to John 14. That's where we just, I was just quoting from. And I said this, I said, whenever you, we're, we're gonna begin to talk about three important ways the Holy Spirit speaks. Pastor Greg taught on this while uh, Pastor Angela and I were on vacation a few weeks uh, back. And it was already in my uh, Planning, In other words, the Spirit of God had already dealt with me about this to teach on this. And he taught on this when I was gone. He didn't know I was going to teach on this. The Holy Ghost did. Why does the Lord do that? Because we need it. Amen. Everybody can, will say things a little differently. And, and it all helps us. You know, you heard me tell the story about the time I had uh, Larry Hutton come years ago preach. I mean, this was way back in the, in the 80s. And he preached a four-day seminar for us on, on divine healing. And uh, a sister came up to me after the service, you know, like the next Sunday and said, uh, you know who I'm talking about, right? <laughs> and uh, said, I got it, pastor, I got it. And I said, what did you get? She said, about my healing. It was sister uh, Diane McKenzie here. She come up and she said, it's about my healing. She says, I've got it. She said, I've, when, Pastor, when, when Brother Hutton was preaching, I, it finally dawned on me, I'm not trying to get healed. Jesus healed me 2,000 years ago. It's just up for me to, to lay hold of it. She said, I got it. Praise God, I got it. She, she had a big, big you know, grin on her face. And uh, 
you know, then she said this. She said, you know, then after I, after I saw it, she said, then it occurred to me, you know what? That's exactly what you've been saying, Pastor. You've been saying that all along. And I've always been strong on healing, you know. And she said, I don't know. I, I now realize this is what you've been saying, but for some reason I, get, I didn't get it. Well, I don't know why she didn't get it. Other people were in the church and they got it, but she didn't. All I know is that in spite of my silvery-tongued erudition and my, and my elegant style and my excellent teaching, for some reason she didn't. I'm grateful she got it. I don't care who she got it from. Amen. And so God uses different people to teach the same things. And the, and the, and the big important thing is get it. Amen. And so we've been talking, so we're going to talk about three important ways the Holy Spirit leads. But like I said this morning, the first thing we have to always lock down and make sure is where does he speak? And in John chapter 14, he says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Now notice the next word, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He will be in you. And then go over to 1 Corinthians chapter three. 1 Corinthians chapter three. And notice these words. And let's look at verse number uh, <clears throat> Sixteen. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells, repeat it to me, in you. Notice where he dwells. He dwells in you. And then go over to the sixth chapter of 1 Corinthians. Verse number 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God and you are not your own, then turn over to 2 Corinthians and look at chapter 6. 2 Corinthians 6 and look at verse number 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God as God has said, I will dwell in them. And walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And then over in 1 John, turn all the way over to 1 John and notice what John said. 1 John chapter 2 and look at the 27th verse. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Notice, notice the, the anointing, that's a reference to the Holy Spirit, dwells in you. Amen. Glory to God. So we, that's, that's so important because, again, if people would just understand that, if they'd understand that God is in them, they wouldn't be looking to outside uh, sources for information. Amen. Now, we know the Spirit always leads us in line with the Word. We know this is true because this is the, the eternal inspired Word of God. But the Holy Spirit will take the things that are in here and he will guide us in them and teach us. But also he said he'll tell us things to come. 
If people would understand, if Christians would understand that the spirit of God is in them, like I said, they wouldn't be looking to circumstances. Why in the world would we expect God to, to, to direct us from something in the natural realm, some kind of circumstance, some kind of development, some kind of situation that, that arises or arises or falls or things that go on in our life? Well, you know, so many Christians, most Christians, not just a few, most Christians are led by things. It is the most common belief. I would say it's one of the most predominant beliefs that that, uh, uh, Christians have all over is that, well, you know, whatever happens in life, God, you know, God is showing us his will. He, he leads us this way because he opens certain doors and closes other doors and causes things to happen. And we just have to, we, and we don't always understand why things are going on, but we just have to accept that God's working out his plan and these things are part of it. No, that's not true. He doesn't, he's not out there. Now, in the sense of his, of his omnipresence, he's everywhere. We know he, God is everywhere present. We know that. But as far as his relationship to us as his children and, his, uh, 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 and us being aware of him and his leading, he's not out in the, in the mulberry bush shaking it somewhere. He's in here. He's trying to get our attention in here. Amen? So uh, that, that's such an essential thing to get, to get established. He's not in your head. He's not in your mind. He's not in your feelings. Your arthritis isn't God talking to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, then how does he speak? There are three fundamental ways the Holy Spirit speaks and reveals his will to us, guides us, you might say. First of all, go with me to Romans chapter 8. This is, this is the most common way, the number one important way, most important way, and the number one way, the most common way that he guides all of his children, preachers and laymen alike, the number one way he leads us. Now, we've already read chapter 8, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And I pointed out this morning that for as many as... That expression, for as many as, means as many as are. For as many as are means, means uh, uh, what did I say? For as many as are means, what did I just say? Come on, repeat it to me. Huh? Yeah, as many as are means those who are. All those who are. That's what I was trying to get out. It just went blank for me. All those who are. As many as are means all those who are. Led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Well, that tells us that he has a way to lead Christians that's not available to anybody else. Because all those who are led by the Spirit of God, they're all the sons of God. There's not anybody, set this way, there's not anybody being led by the Spirit of God that's not one of his sons. God's not leading the world the way he leads us. He leads us by his spirit and, and we need to get on board with that. Now, how does he do that? Go down two verses. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 
Now, children of God and sons of God are exactly the same thing. Don't let somebody give you this doctrine that one children of God, you're on one level, but if you become a son of God, you're on another level. We're all children of God. We're all sons of God. Even you women are sons of God in Christ Jesus. There's neither male nor female. Amen. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's how, that's the witness you had when you accepted Christ. When you came to Christ and you believed the gospel and you said, I'm going to to put my personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe God that, that Jesus is your son. I believe he died for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead. I believe he's Lord. I confess him as Lord over my, over my life. When you did that, something happened on the inside. Something changed. And on the inside, you had a witness that glory to God. I'm born again. I'm saved. I'm a child of God. That witness on the inside of you was God's way of confirming in your heart what you had just done. He was giving you a, 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 a way to sense his direction in your life. He bore witness with your spirit that you are the son of God, a child of God. Well, if God, if, if, if God reveals himself to us this way at the outset of our Christian experience, at the most fundamental level of, of knowing him and understanding and having him communicate with us and, 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 and speak to us. If this is, the, is this the way he does it at the outset, at the most fundamental thing, why would he change that? Why would, he, why would he have a different way? Now, there, there are some other ways, but this is the most fundamental way, and he sticks with it all through your life. The most fundamental way, I'll say it again, the most fundamental way the Holy Spirit will, will uh, guide and direct you is by witnessing with your spirit according to what he's doing in your life. In this, in this instance, that you are a child of God. God, that you have believed and you've become a child of God, you have a witness in your spirit. Amen. Well, he'll stick with that and does stick with that. Now, again, he bears witness, witness with our spirits, not with our minds. He doesn't bear witness with our physical senses. He bears witnesses, witness with our spirits. We are spirits. We're not just souls. We're certainly not just bodies. Uh, Most denominations and and most commentaries, and I have a lot of uh, books and commentary sets, you know, written by very uh, uh, well-enlightened people. Solid, you know, good good theology books and different things. And and I noticed that if you read through all of these, when they try to to, to... Uh, describe what man is. They get soul and spirit mixed up all the time. And one author will ascribe characteristics of the soul and then characteristics of the spirit. And the next author will have those characteristics swapped. What one guy said is characteristic of the spirit of man. The next guy say that's characteristic of the soul and vice versa. And it's that way all through. There's much confusion in the body of Christ. And years ago, when I got back into fellowship with the Lord, I'm so, I'm so thankful that somebody gave me some, some material by Kenneth Hagin because he has the clearest 
teaching on, on the threefold makeup of man, spirit, soul, and body. It is so clear. It is so scriptural. And, and it just, once you see it, you wonder how in the world has, has the rest of the church world missed this? It is so fundamental. You are a spirit being because God is a spirit and we were created in his likeness and in his image. That doesn't just have to do with the appearance of our outward man. He is a spirit. Angels are spirit beings and men are spirit beings. That's why we are eternal. You are a spirit. You possess a soul. And your spirit and soul live inside your body. So you can, we see one another, you know, in the physical contact. We, we, someone walks up and physically we can see them. We recognize them. We know who they are. We can talk to them and, and, and interact with them. But what we don't realize is there's a, there's a spirit being on the inside. You're all spirits sitting out here. Amen. And you have a soul, but your spirit and the soul isn't the same thing. Your spirit is what you are at the very core of your makeup. It is the thing about you that is godlike. It is it is the the aspect of you of you and who you are that is that is like God. We're created in the same class, not on the same level, but in the same class as God. In that we are spirits, just like angels. They're in the same class. They're in the class of spirits. They're not on the same level as God, but they're in that same class. Well, we're in that same class as well. We're spirit beings. Of course, the devil, Satan is a spirit, evil spirits. They operate in in the realm of the spirit. They're all spirits as well. And thank God we have authority over them. Amen. You are a spirit and you possess a soul. Your soul is made up of the word soul in the New Testament is the Greek word suke. P-S-H, suke, anyway, it's, it's similar to psychology. Uh, uh, and it's, the, and it's, 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 it's where we get the English word psyche or those derivatives of that. And it has to do with the mind, has to do with the, with the will, the emotions, the, the, the emotional makeup and the mental makeup. And so we are spirits, we have a soul and and we live, both of the spirit and soul live inside of a physical body. Now, Jesus talked about the saving of the soul and he talked about the losing of the soul. See, if a person doesn't receive Christ and doesn't believe on him, he will lose his soul. Part of the chief, the chief uh, uh, functionality or the chief possession of the soul, the chief characteristic of the soul is the freedom to choose. It's the free will. That's resident in your soul. If a man goes into eternity having reject Christ, he will lose his chance to choose again. He'll lose his soul. And we don't want that. But the spirit and the soul are different. So I just wanted to, to make that clear. So the Holy Spirit, who is a spirit obviously, bears witness with our spirits because that's where he is. He's on the inside of us. He's not, he's not just in us in, in physically, he's in our spirit man. Amen. Well, what is that? What is this inward witness? What is it? Well, it's uh, another translation of verse 16 where it says the spirit himself bears witness. Another translation says he bears joint testimony with. 
then when the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit, he, he testifies to something on the inside and, it, and, and your spirit and the Holy Spirit agree. You sense in your spirit that, that, that God has assured you of something. It could be, it can, it, it, uh, the word intuition is a good way to describe. Sometimes you just know things and you, you know, it's not like you have your mind wrapped around something. You don't know why you know it. You just have an intuition that something is true. That's the inward witness of the spirit on the inside of your spirit. You just have a sense that something is true. That's how he leads us. You have, when you're looking at, at decisions in life and you're praying about something, if you, will, if you will check down on the inside for direction, you'll have what I call a green light, so to speak. I don't, see, I don't mean that you see a green light, but you, you, it's, like, it's like a go-ahead signal. And it's just a sense that if you go a certain direction, you're praying about, well, should I do this or do that or don't know? You'll, you, when you consider the different things, one will seem like, you know, it, you, it's, it's just like you have a go-ahead on the inside, a sense that that's the right way. Or if you try to turn the other way and, and well, maybe I could do this, there'll be something like a red light, sort of like a, a something on the inside. Just won't, it just won't sense, you won't sense that it's the right thing to do. There'll be a, there'll be a resistance, a hesitation, a sense that, no, no, that'll be a mistake. That's the inward witness of the Spirit. Now, I know I, when I was younger, I thought to myself, you know, God could have done better than this. He could have given me something much more dramatic, something much more obvious, something that I couldn't misunderstand. Well, he didn't. Because he wants me to, he wanted me to grow up and to be spiritual minded and not fleshly minded and not mentally minded. He wanted me to learn to pay attention to the leading on the inside. It's, it's, a, it's a point of, of maturity. Coming to the place where you learn to look to the inside for a sense of what God is saying. Amen. So it can, it's like a green light or a red light, if, you know, depending on what he's trying to get you to. Or you can say it's a gentle nudge in your inward man. It's just something seems like the Lord is nudging you. Well, should I take this job? This doesn't sound like this is the right job. I, I'd really like this to do this over here. It seems like it'd be more fun, be a better opportunity. But on the inside, you have a nudge to do. And sometimes it's not what you want. Amen. We get into a lot of trouble by ignoring those gentle impulses can get us in a lot of trouble. In 1978, they presented at work, they presented me with the opportunity of going to two different places in the world and to put in a telephone system. And uh, I was gonna go to you know, this foreign country and I, I was uh, installing this, this latest uh, and greatest uh, electronic system they'd just come out with. And, uh, you know, in, and I had been used to putting in rooms of telephone equipment in businesses, and this was like two cabinets. And the larger ones were, were, were maybe multiple cabinets where in a system that big would have been multiple rooms of equipment. 
So we had these cabinets, cabinets, they were electronic, you know, solid state switch gear, first ones that had come out and I had trained on it. And so I had an opportunity of going to Cairo, Egypt or Taipei, Taiwan. And there was a lot of terrorism going on in the late 70s, a lot of hijackings and different things, particularly in the Middle East, you know, people were hijacking planes and, you know, to Egypt and all kinds of places. And it just didn't sound like a good place to go. And so I decided I'll go to Taiwan, I'll take that job. But on the inside, it just didn't sense, I just didn't sense like it was something I ought to do. And I completely overrode that. This was such a great opportunity. I'd never been out of the country. I'm a young man and I'm gonna get to go to, to, to China, Taiwan, you know, uh, China, uh, Republic of China. And that'll be so exciting. You know, I'll be a jet setter, you know, and, and I'll, I'll have this equipment and I'll be the man in charge, you know, and I'm, I'm gonna have all these engineers over there for the, for the local phone company. They're all gonna be reporting to me and oh, it's gonna be swell. It's gonna be great. On the inside, something troubled me, and I com- and I knew it, and I compl- and I knew better. I'd been I'd been you know in the things of God for a few years, and I and I'd read all Brother Hagin's books. Matter of fact, I had a suitcase full of cassette tapes and a big old cassette tape player with me. And I mean, I was going to go over there and I was going to put in this telephone system during the daytime. And at night, I'd be in my hotel and I could listen to cassette tapes and build myself up in faith. It's going to be great. Get away from the wife and children for a couple of days or for a couple of weeks, you know. And it was going to be a month or so. And uh, oh, it'd be great. And uh, I just completely ignored the witness not to go. And so I get over there and I'm putting in a telephone system for a brand new airport. My hotel, the hotel they put me up in was called the Grand Hotel in Taipei. And it was this elegant uh, 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 oriental uh, pagoda, is that what? Huh? Pagoda. And it was, you know, like 10 stories tall and it was elegant. Everything was, you know, even the floor in my room was parquet, but it wasn't. Uh, squares of parquet, every piece of parquet wood was put in the floor individually, handmade. I mean, it was, a, it was extreme. It was opulent. And, oh, that was so beautiful. And on my, on my balcony, I'd walk out in the front of my room. I think I was on the sixth floor. I walk out on that balcony and right in front of me was the old airport. And these big jet 747s were coming in, you know, and landing right out. Well, see, I was going to put in a new telephone system at the new airport about 30 miles out of town. And, and what in the airport was still under construction, you know, and it, they had, they had big, uh, electronic displays, you know, we'd never seen that before. And I've got this switch gear. Oh man, it was high cotton. But I was so out of the will of God. I thought going to Egypt would be dangerous, so I'd go to the safe place. I, I was not following the news. And I didn't know that the United States and, and Taiwan was in diplomatic, they were having problems. And because uh, of our relationship with China under Richard Nixon, you know, he had, he had normalized relationships with communist China. They were given the United States, China, communist China in Beijing, they were given, giving the United States a lot of grief over the fact that we were still aligned with their enemy in Taiwan. So I get over there and Jimmy Carter, while I was there, I'd only been there a week or two, Jimmy Carter decided to break off diplomatic relationships with Taiwan for the United States. There were demonstrations, riots in the streets. You couldn't go outside. I mean, it was a mess. 
And then on top of that, I realized when I'd got over there that I'd made a big mistake and now I've got condemnation on top of me. It was, I won't go into all the details, it was a disastrous trip. Everything about it was bad. The equipment turned out bad. The people I was working for, it it was a big mess. And I'd try to open my Bible and get my cassette player out and listen to cassettes. And it didn't make sense. I didn't have any peace. I was in turmoil the whole time over there. It was a complete disaster. I learned my lesson. I'm not saying I, I, I didn't need to learn it a couple more times since then, but that was, that, was, that was a big lesson to me. Don't disobey the witness of the Spirit. I don't care how. I see, I wanted to do it so bad that I just buried that, that inward witness and talked myself. I wanted to go so bad, I talked myself into believing that my wanting to was the, was the Spirit of God. It was my flesh that wanted to, and it cost me dearly. But I I, I made it through. Praise God, got home okay. Oh, glory to God. But all it was 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 a a witness in my spirit. It was an inclination. I, I, I I wanted to go to Taiwan, but I had an inclination I ought not to, and so I just ignored it. And the Lord let me do it. It was a big lesson. Now, sometimes the inward witness can be a little more pronounced. Sometimes the inward witness can be like an alarm going off or a buzzer on the inside. You, 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 uh, you're planning on doing something and all of a sudden you just got this sense of alarm. Don't do it. It's not something that's spoken to you. It's not that you don't hear God talk, but on the inside there's just a, a, an, an urgency, an alarm. Don't do that. Pastor Angela uh, just a, a few years ago, uh, went into town. And before she went into town, she had a sense, an alarm. Don't go right now. Don't go into town right now. Well, why not? I've got business to do. I've got to go to the post office. Got to go here and there. I've got things to do. What, what, you know, what's wrong with me going into town? She completely overrode that alarm on the inside. And she was in an automobile accident. It wasn't life-threatening, but it, but it messed our car up. And, uh, and it wasn't good. And she could have avoided that if she had not blown past that inward something on the inside that warned her, hold off, don't go into town right now. Now, you could rationalize and you say, yeah, but why couldn't God just keep that from happening? That's what he was trying to do by warning her not to go. <laughs> and if she had listened to him, she wouldn't have gotten into that trouble. So it's not his responsibility to redirect traffic all over High Springs. To hold people up that the people that, that, that were the other car that was involved, they weren't saved people. So God would have had to intervene, have them not there the same. God's not going to direct traffic all over town just because of your disobedience. He will, he will let you need, he will let you know, he'll give you the direction you need to keep yourself out of trouble. And that's what he was trying to do. Those are, those are tough lessons, but, but they're valuable lessons. In, uh, in Acts 27, oh, glory to God, I forgot to turn this on, so I'm just getting started. <laughs> Acts 27, just turn my timer on, I'm good to go. Acts 27, you know, this is the story of Paul on, in his road, his voyage to Rome you know, after he had been arrested. And uh, it says in verse nine, 9, now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because of the fast, 
because the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also of our own lives. Notice Paul didn't say the Lord spoke to me. He didn't say I had a vision. He didn't say an angel appeared to me. He didn't say God spoke to me. He said, I perceive, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only the cargo and ship, but also of our own lives. The inward witness is like that. It's an inward perception that something uh, is a certain way or not a certain way. This, I'm telling you, is the number one way that God leads all of us. I remember the story, and you, if you've read Brother Hagin's books, uh, you, you might recall him talking about the time that uh, he was praying about going to a particular church. And every time he, and he was planning on going, but every time he would uh, sit down to write this man a letter, this pastor, you know, to accept his invitation, something on the inside would just bother him. And he'd, he'd, he'd start to write his invitation, you know, his, his acceptance. And then he'd take the piece of paper and he'd throw it up and put it in the garbage. Something just bothered him. But he wanted to go. It was a big church. And so he'd sit down the next day. I need to write this pastor and, and, and tell him I'll come. He's invited me. He's talked to me several times. You'd go to conventions. Pastors and evangelists would talk at big conventions. And this pastor said, I want you to come to my church. It's a big church. We'll treat you real nice. You know, you get a nice offering. So brother, hey, I need to answer this pastor and tell him I'll go. He'd sit down, write out, you know, an acceptance. And he'd get ready to mail it. And something on the inside, just not right. He'd wad that up and throw it in the trash. But then there was this other pastor who had also come up to him at the last convention. And said, Brother Hagan, I don't know if you ever go to small churches, but if you ever do, uh, I've got a small church. I'd sure like you to come to my church. And he thought to himself, well, surely the Lord wants me to go to this big church, not go to this little church. But he had a sense in his heart that he ought to go to that little church, but he didn't want to go there. He wanted to go to the big church. And so he would write this, write this letter out. He did this two or three times. Then he'd wad up the paper and throw it in the garbage. Something's troubling him. He said, then uh, the Lord appeared to him in one of his visions and, and talked to him. He said, now I'm gonna tell you something. He said, that pastor uh, of that small church, he said, I'm, I'm a, and Jesus, Brother Hagin said, he saw Jesus. He's talking to Jesus face to face. And Jesus said, now you see me now. I'm telling you, don't go to that big church. I want you to go to the small church. He said, I've been trying to tell you that by the inward witness, but you haven't been listening to me. So do you, or do you see, I'm talking to you face to face. I want you to go to that church, not the other church. And then the Lord said, this is the last time I will ever lead you concerning your ministry in this form. In other words, in a vision, me speaking to you, you see me. He said, I'll never lead you this way again. He said, from now, he said, that sense that you had on the inside of you that you were supposed to go to the little church, he said, that's the inward witness of my spirit. He said, from now on for your ministry, he said, I will never lead you the dramatic way. I'm gonna lead you by the inward witness. And in all the details of life, 
And Brother Hagin said the Lord's never led him dramatically like that. And he's had, after that, he had other revelations where Jesus appeared to him and he saw things and Jesus taught him about certain things. But as far as giving him direction, he said, never again, many years later, he said, never again did I get direction from the Lord in one of those dramatic ways. He said, it's always been the inward witness of my spirit. Well, that's the way God leads us. So we need to get used to that. We need to expect that. And we need to develop a sensitivity to the spirit of God in our spirit. If we don't develop a sensitivity, you're going to miss a lot of the things that God wants to take, wants to show you. You'll, you'll go through life making decisions that sometimes was, didn't seem to be a decision for you. It just, it didn't seem like you, you had a, a, uh, a yes or a no or go here or go that. It just, you just go through life doing things that a lot of times if you would have developed a sensitivity to the spirit, you would have never done. You'll get involved in financial things that you wouldn't have gotten involved in if you'd have listened to the inward witness. But, you know, we're, we, we, are, we are inclined in our flesh, in our natural man, we're inclined to make our own decisions, sort things out in life you know, up here with what appears to be the best way. We're, we're, we tend to operate that way. And as Christians, we're not supposed, yes, we have, we're supposed to uh, operate in the mental realm uh, where we need to, but we're always supposed to be listening down here because the spirit of God will, will your, your inward man, your spirit man, because of the Holy Spirit in you, knows things that your natural mind doesn't know. There will be, there will be, perceptions that you have. Paul said, I perceive there's something about this trip that I don't like. I perceive this trip is going to be trouble. It's going to be the loss of, 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 of cargo, loss of ship, and, and, our whole, and our lives are going to be in danger. What was that? That was just a sense. Well, we know the story. It says the shipmaster and, and owner of the ship decided to, uh, uh, to ignore what Paul said. Now, this inward witness, like I said, is the most common way he leads all his children, all of us. Get used to it. He's not going to change what he said in his word. This is the way it's going to be. Now, this inward witness is supernatural. It is supernatural, but it's not always so spectacular. A lot of people are looking for the spectacular and they're missing the supernatural. They're looking for the, the, for the big hoorah. They're looking for God to, to, to uh, really dazzle them with some kind of revelation. I mean, just paint it so clearly that, that nobody could misunderstand. We, we tend to want that, but that's just not the way he works. Because he wants us to learn to be spiritual. And to be spiritual uh, involves recognizing the subtle supernatural of the spirit. And not always depending on spectacular things. God does do some spectacular things, but not ordinarily. I said, God does do some spectacular things, but not ordinarily. I, I'm talking about when it comes to leading us and directing us. As far as determining God's will for our life, he can do some spectacular things, and sometimes he does, but usually it's because 
it, it's so critical that, that, that uh, uh, we'd be in serious trouble if we went the way we were going. But ordinarily, he doesn't move spectacularly. He moves, but it's supernatural. He moves then that gentle uh, uh, inward witness, but it's very supernatural. It's very spiritual. It's very much of God. Amen. Hallelujah. We read the scripture over in 1 John. He said, the anointing that abides in you is true. It's true. You can trust the inward witness. Learn to practice this in, in the smaller details of life. I said, like I said, you don't need to pray over what kind of socks you're gonna wear or you know, silly things like that. But when it comes to things that are, that are more important, get in the habit of, of consulting your inward man. And you will find that you can trust that inward witness. You'll get direction sometimes in your spirit that seems to defy, defy logic. Logic, And you'll think, well, that doesn't make any sense. It just makes sense to do. Yeah, but we're not supposed to be directed by our senses. If I go to the refrigerator and open the door and there's some spoiled food in there, my senses tell me, throw that in the trash. So there are things that we're, that we're directed by our senses, but I'm talking about things that have a, a, a component where it can go either way and, 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 and you need God's direction. Learn to, to look to the, to the inward witness and you'll find you can trust it. Amen. You can trust it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The next is the inward voice and we're not gonna go very far in that, but we, but we will talk about it this way. This, this morning we talked about the still small voice. Remember when, when Elijah was in the cave and it said that the, 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 the word of the Lord came in him, to him and spoke to him and said, go stand out and, and uh, outside and, and, and stand before me. And the Bible says that Lord, the Lord uh, moved uh, in front of the cave and, and there was a great uh, wind that blew and tore up the rocks. But it said God was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was a great shaking, a great earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. And then after that, there was a, a fire, but God was not in the fire. And after that, there was a still, small voice. That's the number two way that God will direct us. And the still, small voice and the inward witness are very similar in their, in their urgency, put it that way, in their sense of, 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 uh, of alerting you. They're very sensitive, and very, very, excuse me, very similar. But they are distinct in this, <clears throat> that an inward witness usually doesn't involve a, uh, words that are given to you. It's not like the Lord says something. You just have a sense. The still small voice in the margin there in 1 King, uh, Kings 19, it said a, a delicate whispery voice. After the, the wind, after the earthquake, and after the fire, None of, God wasn't in any of that. Says the Lord wasn't in it. Now, the Lord moved. He was out there. He came by, but he didn't cause the earthquake. He didn't cause the wind. He, wasn't, he didn't cause the fire. God wasn't in it. And Elijah, because he was a spiritual man, stayed in the cave. Finally, after the wind, the earthquake, and the fire, said there was a gentle whispering voice, a still small voice. And it says in the text, you can look it up, when Elijah heard it, 
It's not referring to the wind, not referring to the earthquake, not recurring, referring to the fire. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his, his face in his mantle and went out before the Lord. What did he hear? He heard that still small voice. He heard it, but he didn't hear it out here in the natural realm. The still small voice is on, is on the inside of you. The difference between the still small voice and the inward witness is the inward witness, you just have an awareness, an intuition, an awareness, a sense of foreboding or a sense of, 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 uh, of uh, uh, approval, but it's just a sense. The inward voice is a very gentle voice and it speaks because Elijah heard it. He, again, he didn't hear it out here. He heard it in here. The still small voice is your, is, is your own spirit picking up what the Holy Spirit is saying. I'm gonna get ahead of setting myself a little bit. The third way is when the Holy Spirit speaks. When the Holy Spirit speaks, he actually speaks in a very powerful, authoritative voice that there is no mistake you've heard from God. When the word of the Lord came to Elijah, that was the voice of the Holy Spirit. But this was different. This was a still small voice, a, a gentle whispering voice, but he heard it non, nonetheless. He heard it down in here. The inward voice is, is, is your own spirit speaking to you what the Holy Spirit is saying. So it won't have that overwhelming, powerful, earth-shattering, whoo, glory, yes, Lord. It won't have that. It'll be very gentle, very whispering, but it'll have, it'll, 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 it'll be words that are spoken to you. Here's the, here's the thing that, that trips most Christians up. It'll sound like you. It'll sound like your own voice. And people will think, well, that's just me. No, it's, it's your spirit. Well, who would your spirit, my spirit's not gonna sound like Deborah. What would my spirit talking to me sound like? It would sound like exactly what you're hearing right now. That's what it would sound like. So when that still small voice, it, sometimes, now, Sometimes it'll just be the inner witness. Sometimes it'll be the inner voice. Most often the inward witness. But secondly, after that, sometimes you'll be, you'll ask the Lord, particularly when you ask the Lord sometimes, Lord, you know, such and such, should I do this? Or, you know, what, what is the answer here? Should I do this? Should I? Sometimes down on the inside of you, you'll hear these words. No, you're not supposed to do that. Or yes, that is the right thing to do. Or yes, do pick up the phone and call this. You'll, you'll actually, on the inside of you, you'll hear a still small voice actually speaking to you. But again, it'll sound like you and most of the times Christians will say, well, that was just me. Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit in your spirit and your spirit picks it up and says it and that's why it sounds that way. Well, praise the Lord. We'll talk about that more next time. We'll get into it. Amen, I've been long enough. I don't know, I've only been 15 minutes, but... <laughs> Seems like it's been longer. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You getting anything out of this? Praise the Lord. I tell you what, God, it's his will that you know his will. 
and he's not hiding it from you. These are the ways he reveals his will to us. Number one, through the inward witness. And where does that come? In you. The inward voice comes in you. The still small voice of your spirit. It it speaks on the inside of you. And you'll actually, like I said, you'll actually hear, there will be a monologue. There will be words spoken to you. Praise the Lord. The Lord does that quite often. I'll ask the Lord, particularly when I'm asking about something, I'll just say, well, Lord, what is something? I'll just, my spirit man will just answer me. Well, that's, that's the Holy Spirit in my spirit. I'm not talking about something that comes out of my mind. I know it comes right out of here. So we have to become more acquainted with this realm. There's a scripture over in, in Hebrews in the fifth chapter that says, it talks about, it's talking about something different, but it sort of, we can apply it here. He said that, that those are, who are mature have their senses discerned or exercised rather to discern good and evil. By the, by the reason of use, they have their senses exercised to discern good or evil. Well, by, by reason of use, by reason of practice, by reason of, of, of listening and yielding, you will get your spiritual senses exercised to discern what God is saying. But if you never listen, you'll never get that. You'll never learn that discernment. You'll never get to that place of, of being exercised enough in it that you discern the, what's God and what's not. Because you can have a lot of thoughts come to your mind. You can have a lot of thoughts come to your mind. They'll come in the form of fear. Or they'll come in the form of what you want to do. And, and the Lord doesn't always, he's not always leading you to do what you want to do. But I found this out. When he gives direction, as soon as I agree with it, I'm okay with it. Once I agree with it, once I put my flesh down and say, you know, I know, Lord, this is, okay, I've got a witness to do this, or I, particularly when, when my, my spirit speaks to me, okay, I got it. Once I agree with it and commit to it, oh, peace comes. And the struggle with that that I was having just a little bit before, I don't want to do it, I want to do this. Once I commit to it, it's like, well, glory to God. This is the right thing to do. And then it becomes an easy thing. There might, be, there might be some outward challenges to it, but on the inside, you know you're doing the right thing. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.